This is Everyday Photography Every Day, where you get to listen in on a chat between a photographer, that's me, and a regular human. That's me. With an eye on making your pictures amazing. No technical stuff, no talk of gear or software, just photography for the love of it. We're sponsored by Neomodern.com, bringing concierge photo printing and framing to everyone with a smartphone. I'm Suzanne Fritz Hansen, enthusiastic iPhone picture taker. And I'm Michael Rubin, photographer, founder of Neomodern, and grumpy old man, and we're in San Francisco tonight. Welcome. We're back. All right. Well, I have a question for you that I asked uh, last week. What was the last picture you printed, and how did you decide to print that one? Hmm. Um... Yeah, I should have actually thought of this more <laughs> in the, the interim time. Um, You're like, I knew the question was coming. Yeah, and... no, the last picture. So here's the thing. I I have a weird philosophy about printing. I know. And uh, I mean, I don't think it's weird. I like it. I well, I, it. well, I mean, it's not just how important I think printing is, okay. but I have a particularly weird <laughs> issue about printing, <laughs> which is extra weird. I I believe that as a photographer, I should only make one print of an image ever. Really? Yeah. And it's probably not a very popular idea, but um, <laughs> I feel like photographers have kind of commoditized uh, our work by making it so easy. It's so easy to make prints and kind of run them off mm -hmm. if you want a print. And it's it's kind of a slippery slope between a, a beautiful archival print and just printing it, uh, like on a, putting it on a mug yeah. and putting it on a car. Like we yeah. can get an image, a digital image is so malleable. We can put it on anything, anytime we want. And uh, it used to be you needed to print to share it. And so, like in the old days, um, photographers would, if you asked for one, they would just make you one. Right. And then eventually they, because it was sort of a little bit of work, they would make a, a set of them, a few of them, and then they would revisit that from time to time. If they needed some more, they'd make some more. Mm -hmm. And if their paper technology had changed or their mood had changed, the pictures would look a little different and they didn't care. They would just make you another print. Right. Um, and then when galleries started representing photographers, the idea of additioning happened mm -hmm. where they would like to get the prices up. They'd say, oh, this is a limited edition. There's only 10. The photographer made 10 of this. When did that start? I don't know. <laughs> we need to <laughs> mid, talk to a... Mid-century. <laughs> no, it, it was... I think it was later than you think. It probably... Uh, and someone, If someone's listening to this and knows the exact answer, my sense was probably in the... 60s or mm -hmm. 70s you know up to that time photographers were pretty accessible and and i don't think they were getting a lot of they weren't really being collected like mm -hmm. paintings and stuff like that and because it was so easy to run these off and you want the price to be high you don't want and you're in the business of selling photographic prints you don't want people to feel like oh anyone who wants one can go get one right and so they needed to make it limited and that became additioning mm -hmm. and when you see prints being made it's sort of like people making other types of prints they would say that's one of f 10 oh, that yeah. was two of 10 totally and there was the artist proof and the, whatever and this is like couture versus like pret-a-porter something like that and I know nothing about fashion, clearly. <laughs> clearly, that's not um, anything I know about. But um, I think additioning is, it was, and it was necessary for a time. But I don't buy that. Like, I, I feel like we are now in a new age, and it's super easy to see my picture. You want to see this picture? You want it on your screen? You want it on a mug? You can 
You can copy it off of your screen. If you see it on the internet, you can grab it in some way. It's very hard for me to protect it, mm-hmm. you know? And there's a lot of copyright rules and people fighting over this stuff. And I guess I just feel like we're fighting an uphill battle. Like, information wants to be free. The pictures are out there. And so I I think I decided in the past few years and now I'm not a you know commercial I'm not a professional photographer or mm-hmm. an artist I, I I take my pictures and I'm happy doing what I do I, mm-hmm. and when I sell something I, I have this kind of idea which is you know what I make one it's like a painting mm-hmm. and that is the one I made and if you want to buy it you buy the one hmm. and if people and if I post it online and people like it they can share it. They can do whatever. They can, as long as it's not commercial use. They're not putting it on a on a mug or right. selling it. But right. it, but it, but it's even that. It's kind of hard for me to kind of control. I want there to be an original of this object mm-hmm. that when someone buys it, I know who owns that picture. Mm-hmm. And if there's anything else out there that's printed, I know that's not mine. Right. Do you sign them? Do you sign I, your? Prints? I sign the one. I and you say one, one of one. One of one. And I don't sign. And if for some reason I was to make another print, mm-hmm. I wouldn't sign it mm. because the one is the one. Like that's the original. That's the one. Got now, it. I have one caveat, which is if I meaningfully change it. Okay. How so? Meaningful. M- meaningful might be a much larger or smaller kind of print of it. Okay. Like I, I gave you own the eight by 10 of this, but I made a poster size one and there's one of that too. Got it. It's clearly not the small one. It's mm-hmm. the big one or paper technology has changed considerably. And now it's way, this is a really warm version of that image. Mm. Like I'm willing to uh, photographers revisit their images over time and technology changes over time. I'm, I'm reminded uh, Ansel Adams, mm-hmm. um, one of his most famous photographs was called Moonrise Hernandez. And he was driving down the road and he saw this thing and he took a picture of it. And he's using an 8 by 10 view camera. Mm-hmm. It's a big negative. And he takes this picture. And the vintage prints, like when he came home and he printed that thing, mm-hmm. he was making like a contact sheet of the glass negative on the paper, you know, whatever, on, right. on, on the paper. And it has a certain look. It, it's a certain size. It has a certain look. That's the vintage of Moonrise Hernandez. I would not suggest that's the best image of that <laughs> picture. It, it, it's cool. Mm-hmm. But as paper technology got better and he, he made some that were slightly larger, he, uh, Perkle Jones was like his printer and mm-hmm. his guy, you know, may have printed it differently. And, and as Ansel kind of aged, he, he made it more contrasty and, and it's darker and a little more brooding. Hmm. Um, he made one that was giant. Uh, there was a show that um, that we participated in that was like a bunch of different versions of Moonrise Hernandez really? over the years. So when people say, oh, I have the original of that or I have a vintage of that, you, they might. But they yeah. also might not have the best one. Like hmm. some people say, oh, his print from the 70s that was giant, that was like the best of that. Yeah. So I, I want to make sure my sort of weird theory has space for you to revisit an image and it yeah. changes over time. But but I would not do what Ansel did, which was he was getting paid a lot of money for these prints in the in the late 70s and, and early 80s before he died. And he was cranking them out like he, he made a, he was like printing money. Yeah. Right. And I don't want to be in, in that world. I don't think that's the right way for photographers to be. It's I understand that a lot of photographers make their money 
doing this and mm-hmm. galleries make their money doing this but it is so easy to take pictures today and it is so easy to distribute them that I kind of want us to like take an oath and to go back to a time where it's like we make one and they're like paintings and hmm. if you own it you own it and I'm so I want to be famous for being prolific and good and not that I have one good image that I made 10,000 of. Right. Do you feel like there is a, a limit to say you could you just think one of one or is it like one of 10 or one of 50 or there's not really is that too much of a slippery slope? I think it's a slippery slope. And uh, and I've heard some photographers have what they would call uh, radical editioning mm-hmm. where they make five mm-hmm. or something like that. And when I first started with this idea, I was kind of thinking three. I'll make three. One for me, <laughs> one to sell, right. and one to give away. Like right. that was kind of how I thought about it. Yeah. And um, I decided I was being a wuss. Okay. And and the reality, <laughs> and I was just afraid. I was afraid that I was going to have this like very popular image, and that I would only have one. And I, and the minute I've sold it to someone, the, now there's an aftermarket. Like you, that person can sell it. Right. And and I want them to. Like yeah. the, if you want to buy that picture. You got to talk to that guy. I know who has it. Right. It's easy to track the provenance of this thing. I can follow that I gave it to him and he mm-hmm. sold it to her and blah, and it goes through time that way. But I, at least for the moment, I, I really want to embrace this idea of one print only. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So back to the original question. What was the last thing I printed? Yes. Yeah. Back to the original question. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was a, a, a photograph I printed um, of my trip. I, I took a trip to Florence a little while ago and I printed I printed it and I haven't been printing a ton since I started Neo Modern mm-hmm. so it was really like one of the last things I printed before I started the, the business mm-hmm. and um, and because of this ethos I have I kind of keep it around and I like it's for sale yeah but I like it a lot and a friend of mine's birthday was is this weekend mm-hmm. and I really wanted to send him a print and I kind of sat around thinking about what it was and like I decided I love that picture so much yeah I want him to be the one who owns it and so I sent it out and and I think that was probably the last thing that I printed it, it may not have been exactly the last one but it was the last classic one the one I really yeah. love and um, can but, you describe the image yeah it's a um, I was shooting out of my hotel window I actually have this on the in the show notes uh, okay. of the series of pictures I took to get this because it's kind of a compositional exercise but I was shooting out the window of my hotel and I was looking out the window where were you in, in Florence okay. Italy and uh, I could see um, the the maid service in the in the apartment or whatever that was across the alley mm-hmm. and um, they were in there doing something. Now you couldn't really tell. It was mysterious because you only have like one little window right. and they kept walking by the window and it seemed like two people. And then this woman sort of comes to the window to have a cigarette. Yeah. And I, my first shot was like, I was nervous because I didn't want to like point my camera at her, but she wasn't really paying attention. And I actually was back. In, I wasn't out the window. I was in my room shooting out the window, but I was back. And the window was closed or open? The window was open. Her window and mine. Okay. But I wasn't in the window. I was in the room Got farther it. back. So I wasn't just sitting there. I was trying. I don't know. I felt weird. Um, so she has a cigarette and I and compose a frame around her while she's smoking. And it, it seemed kind of interesting as a portrait yeah. of this Italian maid, I guess, yeah. smoking a cigarette in the room. But then she, um, 
uh, I decided to wait and see what else was going to happen. And so she goes back into the room and they're making a bed in there and they're flipping sheets. <laughs> and I liked that it was kind of mysterious. Like you couldn't really like you knew that it's like a maid with sheets, uh-huh. but you have this like little tiny window on what's going on in the room. Right. And I like the mysteriousness of it more than the overt portrait of someone sitting in the window and is it how how is it cropped how much it's center it's like a super structured composition where the window i I moved around till the window was perfectly centered Uh when i zoomed out too much you got sort of crud on the left like the gutters on the building right so Uh i did it was tricky to kind of compose it without cropping it but to move around just so it was just like this wall Mm -hmm. and the window in the middle and there was like a little cornice or something underneath the window that was kind of Italian mm-hmm. and cool. And then this weird whatever sheet being thrown <laughs> in the arms of the maids inside. Did they ever see you? I don't know. I don't know. The second woman came, uh, the other maid came to the window and smoked a cigarette later. Mm-hmm. And I have a picture of her too. And at the end of the series of pictures of her, I'd swear she kind of looked at me, like straight <laughs> at me. Um <laughs> So I like the whole series. I Over the course of about 15 minutes, I shot 20 pictures. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a number of very cool kind of pictures. The portrait of her, the woman smoking in the window. There's a lot of neat things with the, with the, with the sheet fluttering. Mm-hmm. But according to my principles, like I yeah. had to pick one. Like yeah. what is the picture of the – I can't show four of right. it. No one cares that much. I want, And it's more powerful by having just one. Yeah. And it's more powerfully – sort of evocative mysterious if you don't have the like the context of here's the maid here she i'm not trying to do a documentary of someone making a bed i like that it's this mysterious thing so it stands on its own yeah it stands on its own so that was the last picture i I did and um i liked a lot it's sort of sad to let it go and that's also part of i think being an artist about this stuff like there's always this sense of loss you make this thing and you set it free for it to have its own life and um i really want to embrace that i I call it the sort of my sort of frank lloyd wright feeling of god you work so hard building that house that beautiful thing and then what you just move on to another thing like you just walk away of course you'll have i mean this is this is one of my creative philosophies is you will always have more ideas there you get to be a well of creativity so you get to think of things you get to share them and put them out there and then you get to move on and come up with something else it's actually kind of refreshing. You don't have to feel like you will only have one creative idea ever because that's always... got to be paralyzing. Oh, it is. But you always feel like you only – like every idea <laughs> no. always feels like your last best <laughs> – come on, how many people feel like, oh, my God, I'm never going to have another idea better than that one? And sometimes you're right, but usually you're wrong. <laughs> right. And I um, – you know, when I get that magical picture, there's a uh, – I have a lot of photographs like that where I think, oh, I was so lucky to get that shot – I'm never going to have a better picture than that or whatever it is. Whatever. No, and that's fair. And then something happens later. I'm like, oh, I guess it wasn't. Either I don't like it as much as I thought or, oh, I got other great things. But I want to go through my life and and to keep being creative. Yeah. And that's the other thing about print. this one print only thing. It's like it forces you into not living in the past of like, oh, everyone loves that picture of the Florence. I'm going to make a poster out of I could I could make a poster out of it. That doesn't doesn't uh, ruin my plan. But (laughs) but as far as the original print, I'm not going to just run these things off. I'm going to keep moving forward. I like that. I like keep moving forward. 
So that's. I also like thank you for telling us about the last picture you printed. I really yeah. like that description. So it was, was great to get the whole so what was story. The last, you said you print pictures. What was the last picture you printed? Um. Well, I recently just printed a bunch of pictures because uh, I was trying to write some thank you cards. <laughs> so that's a great. Way they to do were. It. Um, yeah. No. They were. They, they were sort of pictures from an event that I um, put on and was writing thank you cards to everyone. Did you write them on the picture? No, I actually um, wrote them on, um, uh, I made a paper wedding dress. And so I actually wrote the thank yous on cut up pieces of the paper wedding dress. Wait, you made a <laughs> wedding dress out of paper? I feel like this is maybe a longer conversation. <laughs> <laughs> well, just, but let's cut to the chase here. You made a wedding dress out of paper. I did. And when the wedding was over, you kept the dress? Uh, so w th kind of the only things that were important to me for was it your my wedding? wedding it was my wedding oh, um the only thing i carried about i cared about was um i really wanted a paper wedding dress because i felt that weddings are sort of ephemeral and how much you know money is invested into these dresses that people only wear once and so i liked the idea that i wanted something that would sort of live on and ultimately be recycled um, so I, when I was little, my mother and sister and I used to make paper costumes out of, um, like paper grocery bags and it's called leatherizing the paper. You wrinkle it and you straighten it out, you wrinkle it and straighten it out and uh, it breaks down the fibers of the paper. And so it makes the, it makes it um, more like fabric and you can actually sew paper. And so I had my family, um, my mother and my sister, my two nieces, my father and my brother-in-law all designed panels of the dress um, out of white butcher paper. And then I <laughs> sewed them together. Uh -huh. And that's what I wore for the wedding. And then I, wow. after the wedding, I cut it up and um, sewed thank you notes. And Damn, that's see, this great. See, this is a longer conversation. Is, but, but, um, but yeah, that was the last, the last pictures I printed were, um, were from the, the wedding to send thank you notes that's to everyone. That's super cool. You know, it speaks, and probably wind up on this thought but it, like there's something about physical things you know absolutely and, and yeah. photography is this visual thing but when it was invented it was the art of fixing a shadow that's how they referred to it this hmm. thing the guy who fox talbot the guy who invented arguably invented photography said this is the art of fixing a shadow <laughs> and like i peter pan <laughs> and fix I, my shadow and i love making an object i mean we haven't really talked a ton about that but you know when you get a great wedding invitation on that beautiful paper mm -hmm. and people fawn over it? Right. That's what photographs are. They're yeah. on, like, not the crappy ones on, uh, you know, from Walgreens necessarily that are just shiny and whatever. Nowadays, if you're going to bother printing, mm -hmm. you can put it on great paper so it not only lasts but it feels cool. And it's like your wedding dress. It's like it's a thing. And <laughs> it becomes I an object. <laughs> I love that. And I want, I want, it's, it's more than an image. It's an object. That's, and that's what photography is to me. It's, you're making these objects of images. Yeah. You're making these images permanent. You're taking this ephemeral, magical, surreal moment. Yeah. And I'm making it into a permanent moment. Yeah. Frozen. And as long as it stays on the computer, it isn't really permanent. And maybe at the end of the day, that is why you have to print. I love that. I think that's great. That's cool. I'm going to have to think about that. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Ruben. I want to see your dress. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, bring bring it next time, okay? I mean, the dress is gone. It's oh, now, crap. It's now pieces of dress. Dang. All but, right. But uh, I, can, I can bring you a piece. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening. Our show is recorded and produced in North Beach, San Francisco. For more information, photos, and show notes, go to www.neomodern.com slash podcast. And please leave a review and rating on iTunes or whatever service you use to listen in. That's super helpful for us. Thanks to jazz great Mitchell Foreman for our incredible theme music. We appreciate your attention and hope we've given you some things to work on and maybe think about. Until next time.